I would like to invite you to stand for the second reading of Scripture in keeping with uh, the theme of Nehemiah 8. So please stand as we, as I read God's holy word. This is Nehemiah 8, 1 through 12. And all the people gathered as one man into the square before the water gate. And they told Ezra, the scribe, to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had commanded Israel. So Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, both men and women and all who could understand what they heard on the first day of the seventh month. And he read from it facing the square before the water gate from early morning until midday in the presence of the men and the women and those who could understand. And the ears of all the people were attentive to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood on a wooden platform that they had made for the purpose. And beside him stood Mattatiah, Shema, Aniah, Uriah, Hilkiah, Maaseiah, on his right hand, and Pediah, Mishael, Malkijah, Hashem, Hashbananah, Zechariah, and Meshulam on his left hand. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And as he opened it, all the people stood. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen, lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, Hodiah, Messiah, Kelita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, Peliah, the Levites, helped the people to understand the law, while the people remained in their places. They read from the book, from the law of God, clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. And Nehemiah, who was the governor, and Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink sweet wine. Send portions to anyone who has nothing ready, for this day is holy to our Lord. And do not be grieved, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be quiet, for this day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated.
Well, it's wonderful to be back with you today. Thank you for allowing me to keep coming back whenever Pastor Bob goes on vacation. Uh, it's a, a privilege to be here and to bring uh, a word, the word today for you. Let's face it, change, uh, change is tough. Change is not easy. And as we know, COVID caused all kinds of changes all across the world, all across our country, all across our nation, our culture, and lots of changes within the church itself. You may not want to think back, but literally there was one Sunday where we were all in our churches worshiping, and then that next Sunday the whole world had shut down and everyone was at home. Do we use Zoom? Do we live stream on YouTube? Do we try Facebook Live? What kind of upgrades do we need to make to our soundboard or to our speakers, our mics, our website? Do we record the service while it's happening live? Or do we record it and upload it later for people to watch? What about those who don't have a computer, those who don't have a tablet, they don't have a smartphone? How will they be able to see the service? Aren't you glad that Pastor Bob and the session had to answer all those questions? Then there was the fellowship piece and all the the changes that ensued because of COVID. How do we keep people connected What do we do to prevent people from from falling through the cracks? How long will my Sunday school class be in hiatus? If I have surgery, will, will Pastor Bob be able to come and pray with me? Needless to say, there were loads of changes that you all went through, many more that I'm probably not even mentioning, and and lots of changes worldwide, nationwide, because of COVID. Now, some of the changes you may have liked. How many of you thought, hey, now I can sleep in on Sunday? All right, I'm the only one. (laughs) Now I can watch the service in my jammies. Thank you. One person who's honest. Now I can multitask and do laundry during the service. Yeah, there's a few more. You didn't do laundry. What are you talking about? Now I don't have to see so-and-so and and make small talk with them. Sorry. Uh, We we bought a a farmhouse up in Craig County, and so I often thought, now I don't have to drive 35 miles or one hour to come into church. And then one hour later, turn around and drive back 35 miles, one hour back home. Oh, sorry. This is my own, I guess this is my own private confessional time. But if we're honest, or at least I'll I'll speak for myself, I'll be honest. Uh, During COVID, I, I got lazy. I lost that sense of reverence for the Lord's Day and for worship. I allowed myself to get sloppy in the preparation for church Saturday night, Sunday morning preparing my heart. 
I, I elevated my comfort, my desires, my conveniences over the worship of God. I neglected meeting with the community to be in the comforts of my own home in those jammies. And I don't really wear jammies, but... The triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was dethroned, and the unholy trinity of me, myself, and I was lifted up. And so I really like this passage in Nehemiah 8 because I think it can stand as a good corrective example, an illustration of what communal, Bible-saturated, God-honoring, joyful worship can look like. And so I hope today we'll see from this passage in Nehemiah 8, 1 through 12, that worship was community-oriented, that it was biblically centered and full of understanding and full of joy. So first, in this passage, in Nehemiah's day, and hopefully in our day, worship was community-oriented. There was a historical precedence precedence for all the Israelites to gather together. Think of all the different feasts and celebrations and Sabbath days that they would meet in the synagogue. As a matter of fact, Leviticus 23-24 highlights that in the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall observe a day of solemn rest, a holy convocation. Huh, that's funny. Verse 2 recounts how they met on the first day of the seventh month. See the connection. Ezra gathered the community because worship was a communal act. But pay attention, who was the one, or shall I say, who were the ones who called for the reading of the law? Was it Ezra twisting their arm? Hey, guys, you got to listen to me. Come on, pay attention. Was it the Levites forcing it upon the community? Were the elders to the, the right and left of Ezra demanding this be done? No, look at verse 1. And all the people gathered as one man, and they told Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law. It was the people who gathered. It was the people who wanted to hear from God's word. And so this challenges my post-COVID heart, my lazy heart. Am I wanting to hear the Bible preached and expounded upon? Is my heart hungry like these here in Nehemiah 8? Or am I only wanting to hear what my itching ears want to hear? Where are our hearts? Do we want the clear reading and expositional preaching of the Word of God? I hope so. I hope so. And so they gathered as a community. The ESV says they gathered as one man, meaning they were all together, men, women, even children. All those who were old enough to listen, to stand, to pay attention, gathered together for this five-hour worship service with the unified purpose to hear God's word read 
allowed. But they didn't meet at the temple. Notice where they met. They met at the water gate. If you remember, the book of Nehemiah is about the rebuilding of Jerusalem's walls. And so understandably, the water gate would have been one of those first places that they rebuilt, that they cleared the rubble out that all the Babylonians piled there. Every community needs water. Naturally, the water gate would be cleared out first, so they fixed the water gate. Everyone gathered there to hear God's word. In the Hebrew, in verses 5 and 6, the phrase, all the people, is used three times. Anytime you see something repeated, it means it's important. All the people reinforces that worship is not an individual sport. Worship is a corporal, corporate event, a corporate act. It's not meant to just be you and your iPhone. It's not just meant for me and my smart TV or my laptop. Sunday morning, the Lord's Day worship is meant to be a communal gathering of the body of Christ together. And so with COVID moving behind us, Lord willing, thank goodness, let's get back to worshiping community, communally. And so it's wonderful to see you all here together today. As Nehemiah 8 shows, worship is meant to be community-oriented. And it's also meant to be biblically-centered. Now, who was it who asked Ezra to read God's word? Someone shout it out. All the people. They were the ones that told Ezra the scribe to bring out the book of the law. One commentator said this paragraph shows the happy combination of a people eager to be taught and a teacher willing and able to meet their need. And so the people took the initiative, and such an attitude allows God's word to have its maximum impact. The question for us today, again, are we wanting to hear God's word read and preached? Do we long to understand with our brains, with our hearts, how God's word can teach us and correct us and rebuke us and train us in righteousness? What is our spiritual temperature when it comes to longing for God's word? If if I stood at the door with a thermometer pointed at your head like you had to any time you went into the hospital, what would your spiritual temperature read? Are you on fire for Jesus, reading and understanding God's word? Or are you lukewarm like the church of Laodicea in Revelation 3.15? Or are we stone cold with zero desire? to hear God's word. And so at the people's urging, Ezra unrolls the scroll. He opens the scroll. The people stand up. Standing was a sign of reverence for God's word. A sign of respect for God's word. That's why 
Hopefully, our younger generations learn that when an elder walks into the room, you stand up to honor their presence. It's a recognition. Standing to hear God's word is a recognition, as my former pastor said, that God speaks first, and we listen. So how do they respond? How do they respond to the reading? Well, if you look back in verse 6, Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen and Amen. Have you ever wondered where we got the call and response, This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I wonder if it comes from this passage. And then they show even more respect. They bow their heads. They worship the Lord with their face to the ground. They recognize that they are unworthy. Do we have a similar reverence for our holy God and for his word? With that, Ezra proceeds to read from the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch. And he read, and he read, And he read, and he read, and he read. Because he started at daybreak, maybe 6, 7 a.m. He went till noon, maybe, midday, five or six hours. Can you imagine listening for five to six hours? I can't imagine doing much of anything for five to six hours, except maybe sleeping. You guys certainly couldn't imagine listening to me for five to six hours. Let's just be honest. Then you would be sleeping for five to six hours. But what does this say about their attention span? What does this say about our attention spans? Verse 3 says, All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. It wasn't just the nerds like me and Pastor Bob. All the people listened attentively. They were apparently enraptured. They were spellbound. I remember reading an article ten years ago or so about how the internet and our entertainment culture was shrinking our attention spans and how it impacts a lot of things, but especially our ability to listen to preaching. And so I went back and found that article, and you know it was just as relevant today in 2021 as it was in 2011. In the article, the author called the church to wean ourselves off the habits of a short attention span culture. Pastor Ryan Martin, who wrote the article, observed how today's TV and movies and music videos contain an overwhelming quick changes, camera angles that constantly move that only require us to pay attention for a few seconds. Over time, people's ability to focus, read, or listen to a sustained argument has become a squirrel. It's incredibly difficult for us to focus. 
Maybe that's why Twitter only has 280 characters for their tweets. I don't know. I don't use Twitter, but that's just what I've been told. Pastor Martin said, I'm not a Luddite. I'm not trying to be an alarmist, not trying to manipulate my readers with fear. But I do think that the future health of our churches will depend upon their commitment to preaching. I think that we would do well to be deliberately working against cultural trends on this point. We should strive to be people who can attend to the word, who can hear sermons, even longer sermons, who can read the Bible for drawn-out periods of time, who can pray without their thoughts running hither and yon. So I thought I would test it out in you all and at least preach for an hour today. Hope that's all right. But in all seriousness, here at First Presbyterian, I know that you all value Pastor Bob's preaching. You value the reading of Scripture and prayer and worship that is biblically saturated. Your services swim in Scriptures. Bob, the staff, the session, they all want the Bible to be central. And so did Ezra and Nehemiah. And thankfully, so did the people in worship in uh, Nehemiah 8. And so let us remember that worship is, is communally oriented. It's biblically centered. And worship is also meant to be full of understanding. Our heads, our hearts. Worship is meant to be full of understanding. This is most clearly seen in verses 4 and 7. Ezra stood on a high wooden platform, kind of like this, so that he could be seen and heard. They didn't have the blessings of microphones. And so by surrounding himself, and he, he did this with community elders. So imagine your session up here, six of them to my right, six of them to my left, or however many you have, standing here with me to preach, to explain the Word of God. By surrounding himself with these leading men, he was communicating to the listening people that this was a word for everyone, not just for the religious professionals. If you look back in in church history, Another thing that I'm kind of a nerd about, the Gutenberg printing press had such an impact on the Reformation because it got the word of God into the native tongues of the people so that everyone could read. No longer did they need a priest to read and explain. The people could read God's word themselves. The Bible is not just for pastors. For religious professionals, it's for everyone. And so the Levites explain. We see in verse 4, Ezra's on that high platform. But he eventually leaves and goes down to be in the middle of the people. So we see how in verse 7, the Levites are down and they're among the people now. Explaining, helping the word to make it understandable. Six times the the Hebrew verb to understand is used 
Because the Levites wanted to make God's word clear to them. So the Levites stood among them. They walked out among them. They, they translated. They explained. They helped understand. They worked hard to make sure that everyone could comprehend what was going on. Now, I, I don't know. I'm assuming Pastor Bob probably spends 15, 20 hours a week, maybe more, on sermon preparation. He labors because he wants you all to understand what God is saying. And we work hard, pastors work hard at trying to help the congregation understand because ultimately we want to send you off like we see in verse 12. Verse 12 says, And all the people went their way to eat and drink and to send portions and to make great rejoicing because they had understood the words that were declared to them. So from this passage in Nehemiah, we see that that worship is communally oriented. It's biblically grounded. It's meant to be understood. And it's also meant to bring joy. So how do we reconcile, though? As, As we look in Scripture, we see Ezra and Nehemiah are calling for them to rejoice, but the people are mourning and weeping. Why? Why are they mourning and weeping? Apparently, the the reading of the law cut them to the heart. It was so powerful, it convicted them of their sin, how they had not been walking with God all this time. And so all of a sudden, their minds, their minds, their hearts, they understood, they were struck. And they realized just how far off course they'd gotten. They were no longer walking the narrow way. They'd taken the broad path. And so they mourn, they weep over their sin. With that in mind, commentator H.G.M. Williamson noted, Repentance must not degenerate into a self-centered remorse, but must issue into joy in God's forgiving goodness. While there is certainty, while there certainly is a time for repentance, for mourning. Ezra and Nehemiah made it clear that this was a day that was meant to be a joyful day, a day of celebration, a sacred, holy gathering, because they had heard God's past acts of grace. And they were experiencing God's current grace. They, had, they were rebuilding the walls, rebuilding the water gate. They could see God's grace in action. Even despite their lack of follow-through of God's law, God provided. Despite their sin, God covered their sin. For us, when, when we see the depth of our sin, of our fallenness, it's then that we recognize the height and width and breadth and depth of God's love and grace. Joy results when we can set our incredible failures within the wider context of Jesus' grace. 
And so in verses 1 through 12, we see not just the understanding of the law, but that they identify, they understand, and that this is a cause for joyful celebration. Imagine, people threw a giant party. They all, of a sudden now, were understanding God's word. And they're being sent out to party, to feast. And so this is our hope as well. That every Sunday morning you understand that your hearts are moved by God's amazing grace. That you are sent out into the community with joy because of what Christ has done for you. So our passage ends with them going to enjoy the best of food, the best of drinks, the prime rib, the fillets, the finest of wines. Worship is to be community-oriented. It's to be biblically focused and full of understanding and joy. And so as COVID restrictions loosen, as, as more people get vaccinated, and as the people become more comfortable coming back to church, I hope this passage from Nehemiah helps us see that there's power in worshiping together as a community, as opposed to being alone at home. I hope you're reminded that worship is to be biblically grounded, soaked in Scripture. I hope we see that worship is planned and led in such a way for all the people of all ages to understand with our hearts, with our hearts and our minds. And I hope you see how joy can undergird every aspect of our worship. Because we know that we have been saved by grace through faith. Because of the wonderful gift of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. So let's say goodbye to COVID and the stunted worship that came out of that time. Let's say hello to worship that's community-oriented, that's biblically saturated, that's full of understanding, and worship that is full of joy. Let's pray.